Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 249 of the Tick Boot Camp podcast. The title of today's interview is The Nova, an interview with Amanda Tiberi. My name is Richard Johannesson. And I'm Allie Moresco. I am so excited for this episode today. Amanda is somebody that I have followed on Instagram for a long time, not just for her Lime Warrior content, but also for her spirituality content, her wealth of knowledge around the body and alternative medicine and all of these things that are so, so important to patients. So I'm really thrilled for you to listen to this. She gets open and honest with us about her own treatment journey and her battle to have a diagnosis, as well as how she is actively treating now and the new community that she is building for chronic illness patients. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, Amanda Tiberian, welcome to the Tech Bootcamp podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And we're really excited to have you too. And even more exciting than just having you on the podcast, I also have one of my favorite people from the community co-hosting with me today. Ali Moresco. So Ali, say hi to the folks. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. We're really excited Sorry. to have you back as well, uh, Ali. And uh, I know Matt is a little nervous today that you're on the podcast with me because he's anxious that I'm going to fire him after the podcast, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll deal with that after the podcast. So Amanda, talk to us about <laughs> where you are currently living. I am living in Westchester County, New York. So I'm about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan. So a fellow New Yorker. So uh, I am. I, uh, the good news is that we have, we, at least we have one person on the podcast that speaks English and that's Allie because those of us from New York speak another, <laughs> uh, another dialect altogether. Uh, and, but Allie does I, understand I hear us. That. So, so, but Allie does understand us because her mom's from New York. So at least we yeah. have uh, somebody who can interpret our language for our listeners. So, so <laughs> talk to us about, talk to us about what you do up in uh, Westchester, New York. I do all kinds of different stuff. I So I live here with my husband and our very fluffy cat named Stella. And mm. I work in marketing full-time for a CBD water company, as well as run my social media and practice nutrition practice here as well. I do all kinds of stuff. So talk to about where you've come from, meaning where did you grow up in Westchester County and what was it like growing up where you grew up? I did. I've been all over. I grew up in New Rochelle, New York. I went to high school here. I went to college here. And then after college, I moved to Hoboken, New Jersey, lived there for a little bit. And then I went to Manhattan. And then in Manhattan, I met my husband who was from Long Island and Queens and sort of dragged me to Astoria, kicking and screaming because I wanted to still live in Manhattan. But, you know, you know, money is a thing, right? It was like a lot more affordable to live in Astoria. And we were there for a couple of years. And then we finally came back. We were tired of the, you know, urban life, came out to Westchester to get, have a little more space. All right. So you've spent your entire life in the Lime Belt, mm -hmm. right? You've either been in New York, New Jersey, or well, or Manhattan, which is obviously a part of New York. So your entire life, you've been in the, in the Lime Belt, correct? I have. And I actually worked in old Lyme, Connecticut for a couple of years. It's not where I got Lyme, but I worked there for a little bit, you know, coincidentally. All right. So uh, deeper in the Lyme belt than we even realized, right? <laughs> yes. Deep in it. So talk to us about uh, what you knew about ticks and tick diseases during your childhood. Meaning, did uh, you learn anything about ticks and tick diseases during your time um, in school? Did you learn anything during participating in sports or any athletic activities? Or did your parents give you any of the tools you needed to keep yourself aware and safe from ticks and Lyme disease? 
So I knew absolutely nothing about ticks. I have to say that I honestly did not know what a tick looked like until after I had already been diagnosed with Lyme. I did not grow up hearing about that, hearing about them, learning how to take them off of me. And I played every sport on the planet, but I just, I had no information on it. Like my parents never talked about it. They never checked me for ticks. It was just, yeah, my knowledge was completely, if there was a tick on me, I don't think I would have known that it was a tick. Okay. So, I mean, I find that to be a little surprising. I mean, I'm yeah. old enough to be your dad. Um, and uh, having grown up on Long Island during my childhood, ticks were a really important part of our life. Yeah. You know, we were aware of ticks. We checked for ticks. We removed ticks. It was a very big part of our lives. Um, and, you know, and, and I credit that for having a good Italian mother who was concerned about everything <laughs> and always trying to keep me safe. Right. Uh, yeah. Especially especially my mother's brand of, of Italian. She's Sicilian, so everything is attacking her children. So she wanted to keep sure. her everything. <laughs> so we, we, yeah. were, we were very tick aware and we were always yeah. checking for ticks. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that somebody, you know, who is young enough to be my child would have a childhood in a tick endemic community. Um, and uh, you knew nothing at all about ticks or how to protect yourself from these, from these vectors. I know it was very surprising to me as well as I, you know, as I started to become, you know, I think awakened, right? Like woke, as we say, to this whole Lyme experience, I was so surprised how little I actually knew. And I mean, I'm sure if there had been something on me at that age, like my parents would have noticed because they were all over me. Like I did have Italian parents as well. I mean, I hope that they would, but I wasn't taught to look for them, right? Like it wasn't like I would have known. So yeah, it's crazy. So Amanda, so let's, let's talk about, um, you know, the educational experience that you had. Talk to us about yeah. um, high school and college and what kind of courses you were taking and, um, and let us know whether or not you're surprised about not being given any foundational information about how to keep yourself healthy, specifically about the disease that you're now battling. Yeah. So, you know, I would say high school and college, I was, I was very sportsy. You know, I did a lot of sports. I was very athletic. I was also into arts and I actually originally went to school for graphic design in, in college. And then I switched to business later on, um, as I was kind of just realizing that I was, you know, a little bit better, I think in the directional a piece of art and marketing versus actually creating the art. And I, I was so athletic in college. I was a kickboxer. I had done um, karate and kickboxing since I was six years old. It's a really big part of my life and, and my journey in general. And so as much as I was involved with health, it, it is very surprising to me that that never came up chronic illness never came up, you know, any of those, none of those things were in my purview through that whole experience. So you're a martial artist, right? And we, mm -hmm. we know that martial artists are philosophically taught that if they know about themselves and they know about their enemies, then they're going to win the war, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know about, you know about yourself, you were very aware of your body. You were an athlete, you were, you were, you were somebody who was keeping herself healthy, but you didn't know about your enemy, right? You didn't know anything about this disease that was going to be a part of your life that you could have protected yourself from because Lyme disease, of course, is a disease of exposure. And if you protect yourself exactly. from exposure, you're not going to get sick, right? 100%. So talk to us about um, what it is that you were envisioning doing. You were preparing yourself to be a graphic artist. You were preparing yourself to, to, to have a life in business. So talk to us about 
um, what your dreams were, what your goals were as you were going through this pursuit, both athletically, socially, and intellectually? Yeah. So I, I kind of had two paths almost, you know, I, right out of college, I started working in marketing in the food and beverage industry. I worked for a popcorn company and I sort of kind of took this journey of working in food simultaneously. I was very into health and wellness. So I had become a health coach and into nutrition before it was even a thing. You know, I had a blog, I talked about, you know, nutrition and health. So again, surprise that this wasn't, you know, a part of that. And so I really saw myself as sort of intertwining, you know, this life of wellness and nutrition and, and food and beverage and having, you know, being a marketing person kind of was thinking that I eventually would be working full-time as a personal trainer, you know, teaching kickboxing, teaching things like that, as well as maybe having my own brand um, of like a food brand or something of that nature. And that's kind of how I saw things going, you know, before, before the tick, right before the Lyme. Okay. So let's, so let's get there. So when did you first start yeah. to feel the symptoms of what you now know to be Lyme disease? So I started to get the symptoms, feel the symptoms probably God, 2014. It started as pain in my, um, in my spine, in my, in my hip, in my lower lumbar spine, I started to have pain. That's when my chronic pain started. Okay. Pause my, there for a second. Where, yeah. where are you in your life? How old are you? And what are you doing in your life? Professionally, I'm 33. Personally. Yeah. I'm sorry. So I'm 33. I'm okay. 33 right now. And so, yeah, I'm working. At I'm working time, full. Right? When, when you oh, at that started, time. Yeah. At, at the time you start feeling the symptoms that you now know to be your chronic Lyme disease symptoms, where were you in your personal and professional lives? So I was about, God, I guess I was around 26, 27 years old. I was living in Hoboken. I was single. I was living by myself. And that's when the chronic pain started. The rest of the symptoms started to come on a little bit later in, in my journey, but that was really the first thing that I experienced. And then I, as I went through the journey, looking back, there were things that were happening that I didn't realize were like before that. Even before that, like where I kind of was like, oh, I thought it was maybe hormonal or I was sore from exercise or I hurt myself from, from kickboxing or boxing. But really that was the beginning of this like arthritis and this beginning of the Lyme symptoms. So I didn't really notice that anything was going on until I was around 26. And then I still was like, oh, it's just, you know, I hurt myself. You know, I kicked too hard. I did something. Um, but then that pain never left. Okay. So let's build out the context a little bit more for sure. early symptoms, right? So you're an, you're an uber athletic young person, correct? Yep. You're focusing on fitness. So you're very fit. Diet is a very important part of your life. So you're also, you're also eating correctly, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So now when you first start to feel the symptoms and I want the earliest symptoms before you were 26 and you started to feel what you now know to be those chronic symptoms, mm -hmm. were you ever, you know, going to see a doctor to find out why you are feeling the way you are feeling. I mean, you're this uber fit young woman. You've always been athletic. You've always eaten right. You shouldn't be feeling any pains at 24, 25 years old. Did you go see a doctor? I did. So I, I went to all different types of doctors. I went to a chiropractor first and foremost, when I was living in Jersey and they were just like, you know, it's, it's an adjustment thing, right? It's a, it's like, you need to just be adjusted. So they would tell me that the other thing was that the other symptom that I had was that I was super, super emotional and I 
put on weight that I could not get off my body. Like I was so inflamed. And so I remember going to a personal trainer at the time, you know, to train me because I was like, well, I don't know. Right. They know better who sent me to a doctor because they were like, there's something wrong with you. Like, why aren't you losing weight? Like you're doing everything right. And like, I could not figure out what was going on, why I was in pain, why I was so inflamed. And they just kept telling me, you know, something's wrong with you. Like you're not, you're, you're definitely lying to us about what you're eating. You know, you're not working out hard enough. You know, you're not lifting enough, like lifting enough weight. And so I kept doing things that were actually making it worse instead of making it better because I was getting all of this incorrect advice. So what were you doing with the incorrect advice that was making it worse for you? I was going, I would say harder on myself. Right. So I was like working out harder. I was training for marathons. I was you know, restricting myself with, with food and taking things like pre-workout and like all kinds of stuff. Cause I had no idea what was going on and I was so young. And I also didn't want to give up my sports because they were, a, they were really a part of how I coped with chronic stress and things. So things like that. But on top of that, I kept getting sick. So like I kept getting like, like chronically, I would get strep throat or I'd have a sinus infection or I'd keep getting sick and didn't know what was wrong with me. Keep taking antibiotics, keep taking all this crazy stuff. So I just kept trying to bandaid this like wound that was going on. Well, so let's talk about that, Amanda, because it sounds to me like you were looking for help from people who were treating patients in a sick endemic community, right? You're living yeah. in the Lyme endemic community. Yep. You're young. You're exercising properly, at least in the beginning, you're, you're mm -hmm. eating properly, you're outlining for your doctors everything that you're doing, you're an articulate young woman, you're describing everything that needs to be described. And rather than giving you a Lyme disease test or even think about Lyme disease, they were more interested in body shaming you and gaslighting you, so which then sent exactly. you on the spiral where you're now eating differently and you're working out harder and you're engaging in behaviors that are immunosuppressive rather than engaging in behaviors that could help you to heal at that early stage in your journey. Exactly. There was no, I wasn't taking care of myself the right way. Like there was no resting. There was no giving, you know, it was like go harder. And yeah. And I just, I was beating myself up because I didn't know that I was sick. I just thought something was, I knew something was wrong with me, but I didn't know what. And so there was so much, I was so depressed. There were so, so many emotional pieces, things going on with my brain, but I just continue to like blame myself because when I spoke to doctors or I spoke to, you know, professionals, they were just like, you know, think telling me that I was crazy. Basically, like there was no test, no nothing. I was too young for anything to be like wrong with me. Okay. So talk to us about how things develop from there and how your symptoms develop, because it seems to me that you're now engaging in behaviors. Well, actually, you, these are your words. You're now engaging in behaviors that were triggered by the body shaming and the gaslighting, mm -hmm. which made it worse for you and made it more difficult for your body to manage the tick diseases that you were, you were, you were managing at that time. Yeah. So, so everything kind of, kind of escalated. The symptoms started to escalate. Like I, I moved from, from Hoboken into Manhattan. And I would have these episodes where I would feel outside of my body. Like I thought that I had carbon monoxide poisoning one time in my apartment. I'll never forget because I felt high. I was like, did I 
did I take something like by accident? Like, I don't know what's happening, like what's going on. So I was dealing with that kind of stuff, like these dispersonalization. And then I was also still struggling with this chronic pain that would not go away. So I was seeing new doctors, you know, going to neurologists at this point, then I was still going to chiropractors who kept, you know, making it worse, right. They kept adjusting and making it worse. They wouldn't even send me for an MRI. Like they were just like, it's, it's structural. Like you're fine. So, so you're, you have these, these developing physical symptoms, you have these Mm -hmm. developing neurological symptoms, you have these developing mental health symptoms, including now depersonalization. How is all of this impacting you personally and professionally? So it was very, very challenging for me professionally because I felt like I was continuing to, you know, push myself to show up in these, in, in a work environment. At that time I was working in Brooklyn. I was working for a tea company and I had to be there every single day and I had to be on and I had to travel a ton. And so I, every single time I went on a trip to travel, I remember I got sick. Like I would get sick and not necessarily like a flare sick. I would get sick, sick, right? Like I would feel like I had a sinus infection or something would happen. Like I was run down constantly. I remember crying in the stairwell at work because I just felt horrible all the time. And financially I was, I was single at the time and, you know, living with a roommate and supporting myself. I, I didn't have the option to not work. Like that wasn't even a thought in my head. It was just like, you're going to push through this. You're going to hustle through this. Like, that's what I was taught no matter how miserable or how sick I was like, that was it. So let's talk about this sort of suck up philosophy that we sometimes yeah. parent our children with and we had been parented with, right? Um, and sort of the, 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 the culture where we, we are encouraged not to show ourselves grace. How did that impact your ability to deal with all the challenges that you were facing at that time? And do you believe that if you had not been a part of the suck up culture, but you had been a part of the show yourself grace and listen to your body culture, that perhaps that could have been a moment in time when you were at that tea company where you might've been able to get the help you needed to overcome these challenges? 100%. I was raised with a specific type of work ethic that comes from your generation. It's really like of this, like work hard hustle. You know, I started working from age 14. I was a kid that worked through high school. I worked through college. I always worked. And there was never a thought in my mind that I wouldn't work to support myself. And there was never, it was always suck it up, walk it off. Right. It was always like, you got this. You're okay. I always thought that I could fix it until I really had something that I I couldn't fix. And, and there was no, oh, maybe I'll take a rest day. I mean, at that point I was still waking up at four o'clock in the morning and going to exercise, working all day in Brooklyn. And then I would teach a kickboxing class at night. I mean, I was like running myself into the ground. So you you were burning the candle at many, many many levels, right? Talk to us about what you were doing socially. Were you also very socially active? Were you going out with your friends? Were you doing the, you know, the, 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 the bar scene? Were you doing all that as well as part of being a young, you know, healthy, well, declining person, (laughs) but you know, person, at least in her own mind and all of her doctor's minds was healthy and should be having fun. Were you doing that as well? I was, I was, I was definitely, I, I was drinking a lot. Um, I was using alcohol, I would say to cope as well. Like I would drink during the week, you know, to cope with pain. 
I would say like more than, you know, even like anxiety and depression, but really just like to deal with being in pain all the time. And like, yeah, I was going out on the weekends. I was, I was dating. That was the time where, when I, I did meet, you know, my husband and, you know, kind of, he really then was like a part of the entire journey because he like witnessed all of it. But yeah, I was, I was living a somewhat normal life or trying to, but I, I kind of had always felt a little disconnected from the social scene because on the inside, I was going through all this other stuff that I couldn't really like talk about. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, culturally how you were raised and you were a part of the suck up culture, but you also were a young person who really wasn't showing herself any grace either, right? You had this immune yeah. system that had been pretty healthy relatively. You had this, this body that worked really well and you weren't really listening to your body, right? Because you were working hard and you were working out hard and you were partying hard and you sort of, you had all this hard stuff going on, right? And, and, and of course, because you're young and you didn't have perspective, you really didn't have a lot of gratitude for this really gifted body that you were given. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, I wasn't, it, it's kind of ironic because I was doing all these things to take care of my body, but I wasn't really taking care of my body, you know? So there was like, there's that kind of paradox that I, that I realize now, right. Of like, I thought I was doing the right things but actually I was hurting myself more and I was doing things that really weren't. And, and now looking back on that, I realize it. Right. And now I do totally different things, which I know we'll talk about later, but like, I, I thought I was doing the right thing because I didn't know any better. No, you And of course we don't. That's one of the, one of the downsides to being young, you know, as, as an old man, especially one who has done 250 podcasts. Now I, I've seen the difference between the people who have gratitude for this gift of our life and the, and the gift of our bodies and the gift of our immune system and how I behaved as a young person. Right. I mean, I understand the contrast, right? So you're, you're living the life that every young person is living and you don't have appreciation for all these wonderful gifts that you have and you're just enjoying life. Right. And you're doing everything you can and you're doing what you think is right to be healthy. And then you crash, right? Yeah. Right. And I think, I think it's also too, like I, growing up an athlete, I trusted my body to do whatever I needed it to do, you know? So like, it was like, okay, like I can trust my body. And then all of a sudden you can't trust your body anymore. And then you start to question everything. Right. So tell us when, uh, tell us when you had the crash. When did, when did you finally have this sort of, you know, we're watching this spiral, right? I mean, I feel like I'm watching yeah. your, your life go down the drain, right? <laughs> tell us when you finally, when right. the water ran out and the sink was dry and you were now, you know, laying at the bottom of the drain. Yeah. So, so shit really hit the fan when I was living in Astoria, this was probably 27 to 2018. So 2018, 2019. So a lot later, I did that cycle for years. Um, my, my grandmother had passed away and I had had at the same exact time, like I think days apart, I had had my seventh or eighth back procedure because I had been dealing with chronic pain now and having doctors, you know, they were electrically shocking my back. Cause I had arthritis all up and down like my spine and they, they couldn't fix it. Right. They were just like, we're going to shock you. So you don't feel it. Um, I was so drugged up on all different kinds of stuff. Right. And so my grandmother passes, I was living in a moldy environment. Right. I didn't know anything about that either. Right. So black mold. So then this, I have emotional trauma. I'm living in mold. I'm going through physical trauma, like nonstop. And after that, I never got better. I got really, really sick. 
And then I didn't get better after that. And that's when the whole entire journey of trying to figure out what was really going on began. So this battle that you were on where your immune system was managing as best it could, despite all of the events that it was managing, both based on the way you were living and, the, and based on the way your doctors were treating you and the based on everything mm-hmm. sort of all came to a halt when you had a series of immunosuppressive events or immunodisruptive yep. events. Most important was, was this emotional trauma you suffered with losing your grandma. Exactly. Exactly. It was kind of like the match that lit everything on, like literally everything on fire. And then I just got so sick. And and I just, after that, I knew that I had to, that there was something under the surface going on. So what was, well, now how long between now the crash when your immune system is now defeated by these, by these microbes, and your Lyme disease diagnosis. How much longer do you go before you finally get a, a diagnosis? I would say about a year, about a year. So not that long, but long, I guess, in the fact that I had been dealing with pain since 2014. I got diagnosed in, in 2020. So the year of 2019, I got misdiagnosed with fibromyalgia. I went to a handful of doctors and nobody could really figure out what was wrong with me. So I kind of like went through that whole cycle that a lot of people do with Lyme and then finally got a clinical diagnosis because that was all they could really diagnose me with because it wasn't coming up on standard tests. Okay. So how did your life change in that year between the crash after your grandmother passed away and your diagnosis? How, what was happening with you personally and professionally in that window? So I was, so we moved again during that time. That's when we moved home to Westchester. I was so sick and I really wanted to come home. And that was one of the reasons why we moved here. I wanted to be near my parents. I wanted to be near my friends. I emotionally was probably at the worst point in my entire life. I was really depressed. I was in pain all the time. Um, I was dealing with brain fog. I could not function and I wasn't getting answers from doctors and I was getting all these like, you know, crap diagnoses. And to be honest, like I, I was still working full time, but I didn't want to live anymore. I was, I was engaged to be married. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in my, I'm 30 and I'm engaged to be married. And this is so supposed to be such an exciting time. And it was probably the worst time in my life. So Amanda, let's unpack your, your emotional condition and what brought you there, right? We talked about the gaslighting. We talked about the body shaming. We talked about the medical trauma that you were suffering. Was it also an element of grief? Meaning, were you grieving some loss, the loss of the life you thought you were going to have, the loss of, of what? Were you going through the grief cycle as well? Oh my goodness, yes. I, well, so, you know, we talked a lot about how I was doing Muay Thai kickboxing and all that stuff. Right. Okay. So in 2016, I stopped doing all the crazy exercise that I was doing. Right. So now it's 2019. I don't have my main coping mechanism of, and this athletic person is gone. Like I, the person that I thought I was, the person that I was, was no longer there. So that was like one piece. Right. So I'm like grieving the loss of this person that, I was for all these years and I'm no longer that person. Right. And then the other piece is that I felt so isolated. Like I, I just felt so alone 
And that was also, I didn't have anybody I knew that had it. I had no one to talk to about it. I didn't want to burden anybody. And I just was like, living like this day to day is not the type of life that I want to have. And it's not the life that I want my future husband at the time to, to have, you know, that's not fair. You know, this is supposed to be a happy time. And so I was, yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of grief and, you know, I so didn't now, know what was going to happen. So now were you grieving this loss of identity? Were you grieving a loss of purpose or were you grieving something else? I was really grieving a loss of identity. I did not know who I was and everything that I trusted and believed it like vanished, right? I couldn't trust the medical system. These people that are supposed to help me. I can't, I can't trust doctors. I can't trust my body anymore. And the worst of all was when I couldn't trust my brain because then I was living in fear because I had to present all the time at work. I had to show up on videos. I had to, you know, show up. And I was scared that I wasn't going to remember what I was supposed to talk about. And nobody knew what was going on. So I was pretending that I was fine and I couldn't trust that. Like I wasn't going to wake up one day and feel horrible. Like I had no idea what was going on and it was just, I was living in fear constantly. So I'd like to unpack this brain versus mind piece with you now mm -hmm. as well. So you said you couldn't trust your brain. Now, were you unable to trust your brain because you were suffering from brain fog and it wasn't, you weren't functioning cognitively, or were you not able to trust your brain because your mind took you to fight and you were in fight or flight all the time and you could not properly perceive the world because your survival software was constantly being triggered or was it both? I think it was both. I mean, the brain fog was definitely a major thing because for me, I'm such a communicator the way that I, you know, speak. It's so important to me to be able to articulate myself. So I would go into like these meetings and stuff, right. Where I was so scared that I wasn't going to be able to articulate what I was thinking. And, and I struggled with that a lot and it, and it came through a lot. So I think that was one piece. And then also I, was definitely in fight or flight. I mean, I was, I was scared all the time, you know, because I was always afraid of another flare or what was going to happen. And so, yeah, like, I mean, just in that inflammation, like loop, right. Of stress cycle. So, so at the time you believe that you were in fight or flight because of all of the betrayal and because of the physiological issues that you were facing, but you also, do you also believe you were in fight or flight because your body was under attack from all the microbes that were attacking your body? 100%. Oh yeah. I mean, my body was, was fighting, you know, the spirocats, it was fighting everything. And also I would say viewing every single thing as the enemy, right? Like my body was like, at that point I was breaking, I was like, had hives for like three months straight because I couldn't eat anything without there being some sort of reaction. Like it was like, everything was attacking me. Everything and was so a threat. Of everything was a threat. So when did you finally get diagnosed? How old were you so and who diagnosed you? So I got diagnosed in 2020, in the early 2020. And I was diagnosed by an LLMD, a Lyme literate doctor. That's about, I would say 20 to 30 minutes, you know, North of me. Cause there isn't one directly in my area. Um, I had gone to what I believed were other places for Lyme disease who basically told me I was insane. Um, when I brought up chronic Lyme, cause I did my own research, you know, at that point I was like, I was uncovering everything. I was reading 
everything. So like, I kind of had like felt it. Right. So I finally went to an LLMD within like five to 10 minutes of talking to me. He was like, you have chronic Lyme. Like this is, he was like, I mean, he's like, you're presenting with every single symptom. Like he was like, I don't care what the blood work says. He was like, it, this is what it is. You know what? I didn't remember getting bit by anything, you know? So I think it was shocking to me in that way. Well, but of course you were, you were living in a tick endemic community. So it's not like it was a huge stretch and you had all the classic symptoms. And I'm going to let Allie take you on that piece exactly. of the journey. But before, before, before I, uh, I hand you over to Allie, um, mm-hmm. talk to us about how many different doctors you saw between the time that you first started having your early symptoms to the time that you mm-hmm. finally found a competent doctor to diagnose you with the classic Lyme disease symptoms you had. Okay. Let's see. I went to a ton of them. I, I my first stop was rheumatology. I went to three rheumatologists. One is my current rheumatologist who I actually love, but I don't, I still don't think he thinks I have Lyme, but that's another whole nother thing. But I went to rheumatologist because my symptoms were presenting like, um, rheumatoid arthritis and MS. So that's kind of what I had thought that I had in the first place. Cause my symptoms are very arthritic as well as the neurological stuff. So I was like, it's either MS or it's RA. So that was my first stop. And that's where I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And then I kind of was like peeling back the layers. I went to naturopathic doctors as well. I went to my PCP. I went to I, I, to everybody <laughs> I went to everybody. And then finally I went to the LLMD who ended up, you know, really just like he was the one that understood. So yeah, there was like probably like 10 doctors. Well, it's always such a relief when you finally find a doctor that listens and seems yeah. to understand. And, you know, you've been like so many patients and so many listeners, you've been on this incredibly long journey. You're presenting with all the classic Lyme symptoms of course, no one thinks to test you for Lyme disease until right. well into your journey, but I digress. Um, I'm curious to know, because it can look so different for everybody, your first course of treatment, like the, the first treatment journey you tried, what, what did that look like for you? Sure. So my first treatment with the LLMD was doxycycline. So, and I feel like mm-hmm. I always say that doxy is the gateway drug for people with Lyme. Yeah. Like it just is like, if you haven't been on doxy, like, I don't know, do you have Lyme? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Like we've all been there. <laughs> and so, and so I'll, I'll tell you like the, you know, the interesting thing about it was that he put me on doxy and then I went through like probably two or three cycles of that. And then he put me on something else. And I actually, even though he was the one who diagnosed me, stopped working with him because Mm. his treatment, I called him and I was like, listen, like I have a sensitive stomach. I was throwing up. I couldn't, I remember being out to dinner with my girlfriends and I had to call my dad to come pick me (laughs) up. Like, you know, and I was throwing up in the bathroom. So when I spoke to the doctor about that and he was like, let's try another antibiotic. I was Mm -hmm. like, we're switching course, like appreciate it. Thank you for the diagnosis. Like, but like, we have to move on to something else. Yeah. And it's, um, it's interesting you say that because obviously as patients, we all know, like what works for me might not work for you and vice versa. Right. So each patient is different. There's no one size fits all protocol for anybody. Um, so I always struggle when I hear other people say that a doctor 
you know, was like really hard and fast on like a certain modality of treatment or because there's all these options, you know, there's Western, there's integrative, there's functional, like the list goes on and on. Um, and I, I'm trying to think, I'm having a line by moment. I'm trying to think of the right way to ask you this question, but I love the fact that you said, you know, this doctor isn't for me. I need to find somebody who's going to help me. And I guess what was your, I don't want to say what was your final straw to that, but like, what made you feel okay about doing that? Cause I think as patients, sometimes we have so much guilt around like saying no to a treatment yeah. or like saying, you know what, this isn't right for me. Maybe I need to do something else. Cause at that point, you're just so happy to have somebody that listens, but yeah, I think you could provide some insight here. Yeah. I think at that point I was getting the more information that I had, it was really empowering, right? Like I started reading all these books Mm -hmm. about mold toxicity, about Lyme. I was reading all these books. And at that time was around the same time that I had started my community. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was kind of empowering myself. And so I felt like I wanted to take it into my own hands, which is a scary thing to do. But like, I felt like it was the right thing because I knew that what the antibiotics were doing to my body wasn't right. And so like, I was like, you know what? I appreciated like what he had done for me and that he got me in that way. But just my gut instinct was like that the way his treatment wasn't wasn't the way forward for me, you know? And so I kind of like made peace with that. And I think this is a great lesson for everyone that we know our body best and we shouldn't Mm -hmm. second guess that gut feeling. Um, you know, especially after seeing, I don't want to say experts, but like experts for so long as we often do, that can't fit us in a neat little box. Um, right. So you make a treatment pivot. I'm assuming you start working with somebody else you know, I'm curious to know what did that new plan look like for you that worked kind of like when you took your treatment into your own hands? Sure. So, so, so a couple of things. So I never went to another LLMD, which I think that people find to be really shocking. And I, my treatment now with my doctor is that I go to a functional rheumatologist. And the reason for that is because my Lyme caused me to have an auto-inflammatory arthritic condition. So my rheumatologist Mm -hmm. treats that. I treated my own Lyme going Mm -hmm. forward and I took my treatment into my own hands. And I will say one of the things that really helped me was that I, the herbal protocol that I did was from Dr. Mm -hmm. Rawls's book. Um, and I just like love that man because of that. Like I followed his program and I started to feel better. And then the diet piece, cause I'm a nutritionist or I was going back to grad school, like while this is going on is that I handled the nutrition piece myself just based on research. So I kind of was like, I'm gonna, this is my plan forward, which is like the, I don't know, Amanda plan, <laughs> Amanda plan. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know, what's funny is I did something very similar when I got sick, I went back and I got my master's and yeah you're the only other person I've ever heard say that, but like, what's wrong with us that like, we're literally like so sick and we're like, you know what? We've got time. Let's go back and get another degree. 
Girl, I know. Like, are we and, crazy? And w- what is wrong? With no, that? we are crazy. And sometimes we could talk about how what that is like, like just yeah. not like, but it's so funny because I was actually at this point, and I'm sure you could relate to this, Allie, where I was like, I'm either gonna go back for nutrition or I'm gonna become a friggin' doctor because I'm yeah. done. Like I was like, I am ready. Every time like something happened to me, like I flared, I was like, I'm gonna become a doctor. I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> like I can't. Um, but nutrition was the way to go. And now I'm I have three months left of my master's program. And it has been the just it has been so difficult that I'm so glad I didn't go to med school. Like, God help me. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think you're definitely an honorary doctor. Um, and we were both, I'm sure like everybody with Lyme was a doctor in another life. There's like sure. no other option. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. That or some like shaman medicine woman. Like yeah, there's, there's exactly. a lot going on there. <laughs> I, I'm, I think you're spiritual, aren't you? Like I, you I and am. I will have to talk offline. Okay. Sorry, yes. Right. Yes. And I've, and I've found that through Lyme, but yes, I, yeah. I definitely decided to take things into my own hands, which has its challenges in a lot of ways too, because when you do flare and you feel like you Mm -hmm. can't fix it, it becomes very overwhelming. But when you do start to feel better, you're like, I did this, you know, Mm -hmm. it was me. Yeah. Like this was all me. Um, yeah. And then I'm curious as you started working, you know, on yourself through your nutrition, all these other things, what were some of the improvements that you noticed, I guess, in the short term and the long term? There were definite, definite improvements to my brain. I don't feel Mm -hmm. like I have that many episodes of, of brain fog anymore. I feel like there's, I feel like there's kind of like these, these two things. Like, I feel like there's permanent damage that I do feel like was done because I Mm -hmm. had it for so long. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I say, like, I do have pieces of memory that's just like gone. Mm-hmm. I, but I do think like my short-term memory and my brain fog has improved mm-hmm. my overall inflammation. Like I, mm-hmm. I have like all these pictures on my phone of just like, cause I used to document everything so that I can go to a doctor and be like, <laughs> like yeah. I took a picture of this and my eyes were so puffy. I had like droopy, you know, I had the droopy eye thing going on. And, um, all of that has like cleared up. So I know my inflammation is like under control. What else has stayed that I'm still working on is arthritis. And that's because the Lyme caused this other condition Mm -hmm. that I now am like kind of stuck with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I makes perfect sense. Um, I'm also curious to hear you talk about, you know, you were talking about mental health and grieving your old self earlier. And I think that's something that a lot of us go through in our own, you know, unique ways. And we touched upon, you know, spirituality and all these things. Mm -hmm. I think that you and I love it and practice. And, um, I guess to, to keep your, your mental health, just as healthy, healthy as your physical health, like, what does that look like for you or what putting that into practice? What does that look like? Yeah. So, so not to, not to get super dark, but I feel like sharing this is really important because Lyme is dark in a lot of ways and we've all kind of like been there, but you know, when I first was dealing with this in 2019 and I didn't want to like live anymore, like I Mm -hmm. remember having a conversation with my husband where we literally went to a diner and I was crying and I said, like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to live. Like, I don't want to do this after that. I, 
created um, my community on Instagram because I was searching like many of us do for people that understood. I was searching for a place Mm -hmm. to belong. I wasn't finding it anywhere. And so starting that community really saved my life. Like honestly, so like having an outlet has been really important for my mental health. I also have been in therapy Mm -hmm. for about three years. And the funny thing, I mean, it's not funny, but my therapist found out that she had Lyme throughout the course Mm -hmm. of us working together. Like she didn't Mm -hmm. know. So it's so helpful to have her because she really, really understands, but like that wasn't, both of us didn't have it when we started working together. It was like very kismet. So I do weekly behavioral therapy, which is so, so important. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah. And I, and I write a lot. And I think like writing and meditation for me, Mm -hmm. that's just my form of like, of mental health. Mental health is so important because the Lyme messes with your brain. So you don't know what is you're really dealing with things or if it's like screwing with you. Mm -hmm. And so like after that moment with my husband, like it became really important to me to make sure that I lived and that I took care of the depression. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and can you speak a little bit more about your community? Like where can people find it and all of these amazing things? Yeah. So, um, I created my, uh, community, which was grab a spoon. And then I recently rebranded this week because I'm just a crazy person, but I just felt like we were, (laughs) I was moving forward (laughs) just because I'm nuts, but I was like moving forward. And so now it's Amanda Nova wellness and I'm working on actually, a new community called the Nourish Starseed Collective. And that is going to be a community. I know, I know, Wait. I know you're making this. Yeah. Worlds collide. Sorry. Dr. Horowitz. Talking. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. yep. Oh my yeah. Girl. So I, yeah, we'll talk about that, Ali, because I yeah, emailed yeah. Anna Roberts and was like, yes. uh, hello, like what's going on? Yeah. So I, I'm so I just, happy that's you. Sorry, I got so excited. <laughs> yes, yes, that's me. That's me. So, okay, so I am building a network that's going to exist. So it's not just going to be an Instagram page. It's going to be mm-hmm. a network that's going to exist where people who have chronic illness can come and we can talk about all these things mm-hmm. in a way that's like a positive space. Because what I realized is that there are some of those things that exist. It's not like it doesn't exist, but there's so many people who are young and struggling with chronic illness, who are still entrepreneurs, who are Mm -hmm. still, who are parents, who are still living their lives. And like, we're not celebrating that enough. And so like, I wanted there to be a place where people can come to talk about their illness without judgment, but Mm -hmm. also for me, like I, I just started working with a designer to help help develop it. And she has a chronic illness. And I'm like, yeah, like I, this, these are the people that I want to be working with nothing against other people. It's just, I want to bring this community together. So I have just started to work on this. Um, it'll probably launch in the summer when I finish school so that I can like fully dedicate, but it'll have educational resources and tools. And it'll also be a place where people can like chat and talk to each other. Well, I'm so, so, so excited for you. And I'm so excited for it to launch. And yes, one thing at a time, we don't need to overdo it. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have one more question for you before I, I stop talking and let Rich talk. Maybe for one minute, I'll let him talk. Um, how did you figure out you were a starseed? 
I had an Akashic reading where I, I know. So I learned that I was from Mintaka, which is like the oldest. Are you Mintakan? Yeah. Uh Oh my God, Allie. I have chills. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, we're probably like, Rich we're probably like, like star family. We're probably right like now. sisters. Okay. Yeah. No, we have to wild. talk. Oh yeah. 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 I, yeah um, there's a lot. I use Rebecca Campbell's um, <gasps> star seed Oracle deck and that's how I, I figured love it her. out. And yeah, she's I incredible. Feel, I don't know if you feel this way, but I am, have like always with like healing journeys been like very drawn to the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. So like every yeah. time I've had some kind of like insane like medical trauma or like something that was terrifying like I always I'm very lucky I always go to the ocean and um it's just such a nothing is like as rejuvenating as that and then in the late summer my, my mom and I both collect crystals and my mom found me a quartz that had grown inside of a shell and um I ended up realizing that it, that was like the connection to like Mintaka oh, wow. and like all these things, but yeah. So anyway. yes, I know we'll, Bridge is like, okay, yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah, that's, that's been a part of this recent journey is that I'm yeah. trying to connect the spiritual and healing piece, like with all the medical yeah. stuff. And it is nerve wracking. Cause I'm like, people aren't expecting that from me, but here we are. Well, I think, you know, you're the perfect person to do it though. And you're like so friendly and so approachable. And like, I've looked at the collective Instagram and things like that. And the way I think people think spirituality is like very intimidating and overwhelming. And in reality, it can be whatever you want it to be, right. It can be meditation. It can be starseed meditation, like whatever you want it to be. And as somebody that's chronically ill with Lyme disease, and that's also very spiritual, I'm appreciative that you're putting this out into the world for people. Cause I I think you're going to, I know you're going to change a lot of lives and make a lot of lives better. So you're a good person. Thank you. So folks, I, I need I need some additional insight into star <laughs> seeds and the spiritual path oh, yeah. that the two of you are on. And I, I think this is important because yeah. you know one of the things we try to do as as humans is we try to distinguish our physical body from our emotional body, right. from our spiritual body. And just like there are many different paths to healing physically and many different paths to healing emotionally, there are many different paths to healing spiritually. And we always sort of get uneasy when we start to talk about the spiritual path. And as a traditional Christian, I have a very different path than your paths. I'm not saying one path is right or wrong, but I think we have to be a little bit more open. And since the two of you opened the door, I'm going to walk through it. So talk to us about both. I'd like both of you to share with us and our listeners Um, how you were able to layer your physical healing, your emotional healing, and your spiritual healing, and how the path that the two of you seem to be on together was your path to spiritual healing. Yeah. So, so Rich, I, I actually, I grew up in a, in a very Catholic situation as well. I went to Catholic school and high school and everything. And so being on this journey has definitely been and sharing it has been very vulnerable for me because I feel that since it's not widely accepted, I'm very, very afraid of people judging me, but I also can't help it because I feel like I'm being called to share these things. Cause it's important for I me. I am asking you to, I'm, yes, I'm doing it. You, I'm doing it. All right. <laughs> for, for me to heal fully the physical piece, it's really important that I kind of had brought in this spiritual piece. I think as people, 
we are constantly looking for where we belong and where we fit. And star seed specifically, which is so fascinating because now this Lyme doctor, Dr. Horowitz is talking about star seeds. And I'm just like, oh my God, like we're talking about it in the Lyme community. It's incredible. It's about where your soul originates. And mm-hmm. so when you learn it, you start to learn what your soul purpose is because you learn your gifts and how to apply them going forward. Right. And you also learn like where you're from and you learn about yourself. And so for me, I'm learning who I am. I'm learning my purpose in this community and helping other people to do the same. And I also have now this higher power, right? Or that I believe in that I can pray to, which gives me faith in a way. And I will, I'll say this and then I'll let Allie talk, but like, I I said this on my podcast last week, you know, everybody has different things that they believe in. And to me, it doesn't matter if it's spirit guides, if it's God, if it's a higher power, if it's a law, whatever you believe in, whatever you're praying to, it's all the same thing, right? It's all one higher power, higher energy. And so it seems really wacky to be like, okay, you're talking to your spirit guides, like you're nuts, you know, like, but it's no different than praying, right? It's, it's the same thing. It's just finding, it's just, what you choose to believe in. And I feel like that's how we kind of like connect it to all of us together. Yeah. And I'm absolutely with you on that. I like, um, number one, I like that the, literally the mission, like when you, if you were to get off this video chat and like Google, like what is a star seed? Um, basically the whole mission of like star seeds on this planet is literally to raise the vibration of the earth and like make the earth and other people just make it a better place. And I think that there are so many people in the tick-borne disease community that genuinely are making the world a better place for other human beings. I don't think that it's a coincidence that all of a sudden now there is this cross between like tick-borne disease and spirituality for so many people. Um, I know for me, you know, I'm not particularly like religious or like tied to any certain religion. I've I have crosses over doorways all over my house and, and stuff like that. Um, so I do believe in God and um, I do believe in angels and spirit guides and all these things. And, um, you know, I lost, and I know Rich knows this, but I lost a very dear friend um, to their battle with tick-borne illness. And then it was after that, like very kismet, like very coincidental um, I was hosting an event in Chicago for Global Lime Alliance, and I had an aura photographer volunteer to do aura photos at the event. And um, her name's Cindy Lufred. Um, she's a spiritual medium, and she did my aura photo. And after this gala ended, her and I sat in like this empty event space and just talked for like 45 minutes. Now she's one of my best friends. Um, but I genuinely don't think that I would be at the at the point in my healing journey that I am like without the spirituality component, even just for the simple fact that I think it gave me hope and it gave me something else to focus on when I had, you know what I mean? Nothing else. And yeah. Yeah. I just think it's another, it's like another form of communication and people might listen to this and be like, wow, you're batshit crazy. But like, yeah, you know, like there's worse things people can say. Something that you said really, something that you said really stuck with me. And I think this really applies is, and I've been thinking about this a lot as well, is that so many people within the tick 
Ill, um, mm -hmm. community, right? The Lyme community and the chronic mm -hmm. illness community in general, because there's a lot of people who are sick. They don't know that they have Lyme yet, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's all these people who are just dealing with illness. They do find a way to turn their experience into mm -hmm. what they do. And so the interesting mm -hmm. thing about your soul and kind of like this whole idea of like past lives and all things like that mm -hmm. is like, we choose our experience, right? Like we're up there mm -hmm. as an energy and we say, okay, this is the family I'm going to have. This is the experience I'm going to have. And yeah. that's hard for a lot of people to believe. Like I chose to come into this body, yeah. get bit by a tick at some point and experience this. And that is how I actually translate it into being grateful for that experience because now I get to do all this stuff and I get to help all these people. Mm -hmm. And so what I try to do with the spiritual piece is take that. And so all these people that are trying to help people, but they don't know how yeah. and say to them, okay, your purpose of getting Lyme, right. Or getting sick is now you want to take that and you want to help people, mm -hmm. but you don't know how you can't go become a doctor. You can't, you know, just, it's not in the cards for you, right? Like you don't know mm -hmm. what it's going to be, but maybe you're really good at graphic design. So you then mm -hmm. design for people who are doing that work, or mm -hmm. you help organize for people doing that work. And you become a part of helping the collective in a different mm -hmm. way than you would have ever thought. And it really becomes your purpose. And I just love that because everyone thinks that they have to be a health coach mm -hmm. or they have to like be, you know, in this, and you don't, yeah. you could do what, you know, rich and matter doing where they're, you know, create a mm -hmm. podcast that you're creating, you're holding space for people. There's so many things you can do. And I'm trying to like create that awareness and space for people to do that. Cause it, it, having this experience changes you in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And you absolutely are. And you're, you know, it's crazy to think that this horrible, sick, twisted journey, like ultimately brought you to your divine purpose, you know, to live it out. Yeah. Like it's, it's just wild to think about. Yeah. You have to think that way though. Yeah. <laughs> like you have to, yeah, you yeah. do. Too. Well, I mean, do you have to think that way because there's really no other truth but that truth? Or do you have to think that way in order to be able to heal? Or is it something else? So give me some insight into your spiritual piece. Yeah. Because, you know, one of the things that Matt and I have taken a great deal of pride in um, over the course of our 250 episodes is that we see patterns that lead to people mm -hmm. having success and ultimately becoming a happy person mm -hmm. on the yeah. journey and ultimately getting to a new place. And unfortunately, we do see a subset of people who are sick and not really yeah. doing well, right? And it's not for us to judge, but you know, we, we just see these patterns and we've been seeing right. them from very early on in the podcast, right? And uh, one of the things that we have seen consistently is people who ultimately get to a point where they're taking that step from their own personal healing journey to helping others on their journey are the people mm -hmm. that heal, right? When people mm -hmm. are now finding a new identity, and ultimately finding a new purpose, which is how I would define spirit, which is why I think there are a lot yeah. of different paths up the mountaintop. And I'm confessing, yeah. I, I, I never even heard of star seeds until I was started reading Dr. Horowitz's book to get ready yeah. for. So it's another one, another one of the, yeah, another, yeah, yeah. another one of the ways that Ali Moresco is opening me to uh, new experiences. Um, but the, it is important that people find this spiritual step in their journey so they yeah. have a context for which they are, they are now viewing this experience. 
They're the people that heal. They're the people that find healthiness, healthy, yeah. health, healthiness and happiness. And the, and the other folks do not. Right. So, so talk yeah. to us about, you know, again, the different paths that you, you've both been on and how that transformation has been a vital part of your healing journey. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's two ways that you can look at it. I think you can say, why me? Right. And kind of like victimize yourself. And I don't think that that's wrong. Right. Like, I think that there is a place for that. And we've all been there. Like, you know, I have been on the floor, hysterical. Why me? I don't want to go through this anymore. If I take one more supplement, I am good. That's it. Like, I, I just can't. Right. But for me, I had to find purpose in order to move forward because everything that I have done over the past couple of years with this has been for other people. And that why is what drove me to heal myself because I knew that I had to show up for all these other people. And I didn't want people to go through all the dark stuff that I went through. And I, I wanted to provide that. So that kept me going. Like, I was like, I need to show up for these other people. And, and my why of, of creating this, like this, this purpose, it's just, it's fueled everything for me. And I, I needed that. And I, and I do need that. And I don't think everybody does. Like, I think there are people who just like want to heal, you know, it, it's not necessary for everybody, but I think for people like me and Allie, like that's what keeps us going. Well, I mean, I, I will have to disagree with you because I, I, I think it is something that everyone has to do. And I don't think any human yeah. can be happy if they haven't identified their gifts and if they yeah. haven't identified the gifts that they have been called to use to make this world a better place and make people's lives better. Yeah. Right. So so let's let's talk a little bit more about that, because one of the things that I really enjoyed about preparing for this podcast is, is looking at your social media and not only is your social media and Instagram in particular graphically beautiful. And not only are you a brilliant communicator, especially with your face, which I think is just a real talent. You know, <laughs> I, as someone who doesn't have any acting skills, I, I know I, I communicate with my mouth and not particularly well. Um, oh. So I think you're, you're brilliant at you know, communicating that as well. But what I really enjoyed about your Instagram, if truth be told, is the way you described your transformation, where you went mm -hmm. from Amanda 1.0 to Amanda 2.0. And I think you <laughs> changed your, your, at least your name professionally yeah. from, you know, from Tiberi to Nova. So let's talk about that yeah. transformation and how you really brilliantly articulated that journey that you went on and how that was important for your healing. Yeah. So this has been, you know, new, super, super new and, and going on. And, and coincidentally enough, Nova means new in Italian, um, which my dad is very hung on to. And I think that's the only way, I mean, I, I got married in October and I haven't taken my husband's last name. My dad is like, he's like so excited about that. And now it's like Nova and he's like, well, it means new in Italian. Right. So that's okay. And I'm like, okay, that's not exactly why. Um, Nova is also, you know, a really bright star that sort of just has all this energy and energetically shines and just kind of like bursts onto the scene. And that is what this has felt like for me. I, I started to feel as I got, as I healed, right. As I've been healing, I started to become a little bit disconnected from the original identity that I, that I had when I started this journey, because I've changed so much. And I just wanted to do something that really emulated that, that really kind of like brought that to life because I've become this different person. And it could also just be that I'm more myself now and I'm more authentic and I have more confidence to show up as that person, but whatever it is, 
I'm no longer that Amanda Tiberi from, you know, 2019, 2020, when I first started like really doing this, um, I'm this new person and I'm ready to show up as that person. And so in order to do that, I really wanted to change my name to really mark that because, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like it's in my hands now and I have the power to kind of create this whole new life for myself. And so like, I, and I feel ready to do that now. So talk to us about what impact that's had on your happiness. Are you happier as a result of now taking on this new identity and being at peace with having a new identity and, and abandoning the identity that you had before? That, by the way, I'll use the language of Christina Consabalos, who's one of our favorite people, who said, I had to become someone else because the old person got Lyme disease. Exactly. Exactly. Like, I am not that person anymore. Like that person, that super sick girl who was scared and didn't know anything. I'm, I love her and I'm grateful for her, but I am not her anymore. And now I'm moving into this new phase where I am the person that's helping other people heal versus being the person that's still healing. I mean, it's, it's not linear, right? Like we always continue to be in this situation, but I want to take the next step. And so I feel so much happier because I feel like it's the first thing that I've done in a really long time that like really spoke to my soul and my heart in a true way. And I will say I have had anxiety this entire week that I like, it has been the scariest thing that I've ever done. And I have shared stories about coffee enemas on my podcast that like should have been more scary to do. Like I have no shame, but like, to be honest, but this has been really scary because this is my heart. And this is like the, this is my soul. And, and yeah, I feel, I feel really good about it. I feel like it was the right thing to do. And, and I thank you for that. So <laughs> I, I want to explore this a little bit more with you. And one of the things that I want to challenge you on is, um, is the, the relationship you've had with doctors, right? Because yeah. you came back to that a couple of times, right? So you, you yep. had doctors who body shamed you, you had doctors who gaslit you, you had doctors who actually sent you on this spiral down the drain right? You finally crashed after a number of different circumstances came together, but it were, they were doctors who caused you to spiral. Yet when you were talking about what you wanted to do when you went back to graduate school, and I have to compliment the two of you for, you know, for continuing to be the gritty gals that you were despite being sick, um, you, you said, well, I, um, you know, I, I could have become a doctor. Or I, I, I would have become a doctor. And, and you almost like, you yeah, thought, you know, you're arguing that that was something that you should have aspired to. And I, I just want to revisit that with you, because I think so much of what we focus on here is medical trauma, but we don't really focus enough in the Lyme community, in my view, about the unhealthy relationship we collectively have with the, what mm -hmm. I call the medical industrial complex where they are telling us we can't heal without them. They are telling us we can't heal unless we have one of them. We can't mm -hmm. heal unless our team is made up of only them. So talk to us about how on your spiritual journey, Amanda, you ultimately, mm -hmm. after getting a diagnosis, didn't just take control of your health, but you kicked the doctors out of the, off the team and you built your, your healing, or at least some of the doctors off your team, you built your healing around around being in touch with your body yeah. and developing your spiritual path uh, more importantly than, than having some folks direct your care. Yeah. So, so I'll say this, I I'm very unique within, I would say the holistic wellness community, because I do believe that there's a place for medicine and science, right? I spent a 
the past 10 years learning and getting certified in like every holistic modality, right? Like holistic health coach, iridology, which is the study of the iris. I became a biochemical kinesiologist and I learned all this holistic stuff. And when I got sick, I felt like what I didn't really understand and why I relied on doctors is because I didn't understand the clinical piece or the, the medical piece to tie those things together. So when I went back to school, I went back to school to become a clinical nutritionist so that I could read my own lab work so that I could understand medications, how they interacted with the body so that I could understand from a different perspective than I had ever seen before. And so I have respect for medicine and science and I love evidence and I love, I go on PubMed and I read research all the time and I love it. What I think is missing from medicine and doctors and everything is that connection. And I feel like that's where a lot of us struggle because we're, we're like, okay, we're either going to go to a doctor and we're going to listen to everything they say. Right. And we're going to do it their way. We're going to take antibiotics and we're gonna do it their way. Or we're going to go super, super holistic and natural. And we're not going to do any of it. There's a lot of people in this gray area, right. Where they're like, they're taking medicine that they need. Right. And they want to support it holistically as well. And so for me, educating myself made me realize that I respected my doctors, but like, I, I wasn't going to listen to them, you know, because I was educating myself to be able to understand so that I could heal myself. And so when I get, I mean, I'm a real treat. Like I, I was in the emergency room recently and I was reading my own CT. They were like kicking me out of the emergency room. I'm like, but I have inflammation in my pancreas. Can you guys see this? They're like, but we're not treating you like get out because I, I wanted to give myself that power. Like to me, knowledge is power. So, so but Amanda, yeah. let me make the argument to you a little bit differently, right? We, yeah. we, I think the three of us have come to the conclusion that Lyme is a spiritual disease. It's an emotional mm-hmm. disease is a physical disease, right? Yep. And if we're going to, if we're going to look at the way the disease is now attacking our whole person, mm-hmm. we also have to now re-engineer our healing process where we are right. healing spiritually, we're healing emotionally, and we're healing physically, right? And I think the biggest challenge, and look, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for medical care. I, I, I certainly value many people in the medical community, sure. Casey Kelly being one of them that I know Ali has a wonderful relationship with, and I've treated with myself. And there are many other doctors. I think Bill Rawls mm-hmm. is wonderful. There are a number of sure. doctors that are wonderful. But what, what my argument is, is that when we over, when we have doctors overrepresent our team of healing, we're just focusing on the physical, right? Yeah. Exactly. And then what happens is we just sort of focus on physical, focus on physical, focus on physical, and, and, and we just never get better, right? So, you know, for example, one of the things that Matt and I are working on is a detox protocol, right? And everybody talks about mm-hmm. physical detox. Yep. What we don't hear a whole lot of talk about is social detox or environmental mm-hmm. detox or spiritual sure. detox or intellectual detox, right? You have to go through an entire detox program, not just physically detoxing, but going through all of the other detox elements that we've heard, for example, from Crystal Hefner, who if she didn't go through an environmental detox, she would have yeah. never gotten better. Mm-hmm. If she didn't go through a social detox, she would have never gotten better. But we never really talk about those things because we have an overrepresentation of the medical community's perspective on the physical detox and not on the holistic detox. And we have yeah. to do. And the whole healing journey has to be, in my view, a physical, an emotional, and a spiritual um, journey. And one of the reasons why I'm, I'm, I'm trying to push the two of you to talk more about your spiritual journey is because, you know, we don't talk about God and we don't talk about politics and polite company, right? So now we don't really sure. talk about spiritual. Yeah. And if you talk about spiritual in a way that's not necessarily 
consistent with traditional Christian principles, for example, or you do talk about it because we, you know, we get some criticism when we do talk about it in, in with traditional uh, Christian principles that uh, that we're you know, we're just ignoring vital elements on, of a healing journey. So I, I'd really like the two of you to talk yeah. to us more about the importance of the whole treating the whole person and how perhaps the overrepresentation of the physical healing and the doctor's role in that is is actually mm -hmm. hurting the community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so it's a few things. I think, I think the, the whole thing with doctors treating just the physical to your point is that you no longer, you, you then don't address the other pieces, which are the spiritual pieces. And you really need to have everything in order to heal. You know, something that I, I talk about often is, is this idea of embodiment, right. Of where as a, as a sick person, we leave, we actually leave our bodies, right. So when we do things like meditation, even right, we're out of our bodies. We don't trust our bodies because why would we, our bodies hurt. They're not a place that we want to be in. And in order to fully heal spiritually, just the whole body, right? Spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, we need to come back into our bodies and we need to start listening to our bodies. And that takes the spiritual piece, right? Of like, okay, I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm going to trust my, that my body knows and listen to my body and that my body knows best. Right. And that's really hard because we have been so programmed from kids that something's wrong. You go to the doctor, the doctor knows, right. You hurt your foot. The doctor says you hurt your foot. You say, okay. Right. So in order to fully heal, I think, and be able to do it holistically, you have to question a lot of things that you knew to be true and really have to bring in some things that do sound woo woo. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and what those things are, I think are different to different people, but yes, I totally agree. I think it's mind, body, soul. And, and once you connect those pieces, that's when things start to align. And, and definitely for me, like I would not have fully healed or be feeling as good as I do now, had I not started to bring in the spiritual aspect of things, I would have rem remained stuck. And mm -hmm. to your point about like environment, like, I think it's the same thing as like, we always say about mold, right? Like you have to remove yourself from the environment. Well, that's the same thing with people that you surround yourself with. And this kind of idea that I was talking about of creating a new life for myself and a new identity, because you can't heal remaining in that same place, right? Where you're sick and everything around you is like reminding you of sickness and, and is this like victim place, right? Where we kind of like all are in the beginning of our journey where we're like, oh God, why did this happen? What am I going to do? I'm confused. And so like creating this new place where you're empowered and you feel like, okay, like I know, and I trust my body, I think to me is like really important to kind of like break through that barrier of healing. Mm -hmm. So Ali, I'm interested in your, your perspective on, or your comment on, on Amanda's really brilliant insight. Um, honestly, I don't even know if this is really answering the question that we started out with. My brain is like not here today, but where my head went was I, I really believe that the mental aspect of this battle is just as critical as the physical, because if you view yourself as like only a sick person, like probably as you did when you first got sick, as I did when I first got sick, it became my whole identity. You just don't know anything else. And it's almost kind of like scary as you start to get better or like, as you start to call in getting better, like feeling better, you're like, oh my God, wait, like, who am I? Who am I now? That's why I loved when I found the spirituality aspect and 
the starseed aspect of things. And I feel like it gives you another piece to like who you are and it gives you another outlet to whether it's for interests or like as an identity, but then you're like, yeah, I have Lyme disease, but I'm also interested in XYZ and I'm a starseed and I'm spiritual and it helps to, or at least it helped me not to have such like a one-sided like view of myself, like just as a sick person now. And that's all I am. Because I think if I hadn't gotten out of that frame of mind, I, I wouldn't have started to get better. I, I think the, the, the larger question is, can we get better when we're just looking to accomplish our own personal outcomes? Or is that something that will give us significance, but never get us to a point where we can truly heal until we get to an identity and then ultimately a purpose that will allow us to identify what our superpowers are. And, you know, I talk about that all the time yeah. and how we're supposed to use those superpowers to help other people. Right. Uh, I, I use the term and I've described Ali as a, as a superhero before. Right. And, and the difference in my view between a hero and a superhero is a hero is somebody who will do something heroically once, you know, and, and, and off. And somebody who is a superhero is somebody who consistently uses their gifts and talents to help other people on a consistent basis. That's what their purpose becomes, right? And what we see in this podcast, at least, is the people who take that step and they become superheroes and they identify, and, and I believe identity is identifying those God-given traits that you have that were used as part of your creation that are designed to help other people. When you get to that path, that's when you find happiness and that's when you find healing. And I'm just wondering if, if that was consistent with your journey, Amanda, because that's certainly what I was reading as I was looking at your social media and studying the great work that you're doing, that you sort of went on that path and ultimately got to the point where when you became the superhero, that's when you were able to heal. 100%. I, I, would, I would say like, I learned so much about myself and about my gifts that I had to give to the world on, on the entirety of the, of the journey. Right. Like, I think that those things were coming through and I didn't know what they were until I started getting into the spiritual piece and learning about my soul and who I was. And then I was like, Oh, I've been doing these things all along. But once I learned that, then I could move on to the next step where I really utilize them for good. Right. Like I was already doing it, but I wasn't aware of it. But once I became aware that, you know, I'll say my, my gifts that I, you know, I've learned through myself, right. Is, is communication. So whether that's writing or it's speaking on Instagram or it's just speaking with people, right. Like that, that's really a gift that I have. And I've been afraid of that for a long time, you know, like it's not easy to show your face and start talking about things, you know, like, you know, these really, you know, intricate things that we talk about. Um, once I learned that that was my gift, I was able to start to use it really powerfully. And, and that healed me because I started to see the good that I was doing. And then I was like, okay, I need to keep doing this. And the more that I educate, the more that I can help people. And the more that I help people, the more that I help heal myself, because that's how, that's how I'm healing. So let's, let's ask you for one last piece of help. And I really appreciate all the time you've given us. And, and I really sure. enjoyed both of you during this really brilliant podcast is I need one more piece of help from you. If God forbid your husband, who has been with you from the beginning of this uh, health journey, came into the room right after the podcast and he had that tick biting him, what would you do or recommend that he do so that he wouldn't have to go on a chronic Lyme disease journey? 
Okay. So my original answer to this, right, was that I would just light him on fire or I would tell him to just jump out the window. <laughs> Don't do that. I wouldn't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> I would probably have him call you guys. No, we'd put the, you know, we'd get it off him, put the, put the ticket in a bag and we would just, you know, take, start taking care of everything immediately. Right. Like we would just, you know, hit the, hit the ground running. I, I wouldn't want anyone to, I wouldn't want him or anyone else to go through this experience. I, although I'm grateful for mine, I wouldn't change a minute of my own experience. Actually. I, I don't, re- I don't regret any of it. I'm, I'm so grateful that it happened, but yeah, I don't want anyone else to go, to go through it. So I, I do have a piece of bad news for our community. Uh, I've loved having Ali as my co-host so much that I've now decided to fire Matt Sabatello as my co-host. And I'm now <laughs> moving forward Bye, Matt. As, Ali Toodles. As, my as my permanent co-host. Unless, of course, Amanda has some time to fill in for Ali once in a while, then I'd love to have you. I will. Oh, I will. I'm there for it. I'm there for it. So I, I want to I thank both um, Ali and Amanda for you know this brilliant conversation. And I, and, I, and I thank you for being vulnerable, particularly on the spiritual piece. I think it's going to be really helpful to the community uh, on so many different levels. And again, I, I thank both of you for taking time out of your lives to share your beautiful stories with the community known as Tick Bootcamp. Thank you for listening to the Tick Bootcamp interview with author Amanda Tabiri. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Amanda Tabiri, please visit her Instagram page at Amanda Nova Wellness. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of Tick Bootcamp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that is inspired by the information that has been provided by past guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to offer. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank our community for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on iTunes, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of your reviews we get. Thanks for listening.